Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All right, let me start with a story. And when I say story, I mean something that actually happened in the life of this church a few years back. See, before we were in this building, we used to meet at 308 Nelson Road, which was a great building for our church for 10 years. We went to multiple services and had a great time there, but we felt our time was up. We felt like we'd utilised that building to our maximum. We'd done some extension. We'd done multiple services, as I've already mentioned. And so we started to get on the look for more land, more room, more ground. And uh, lo and behold, the property next to us was a shopping centre. And uh, in the shopping centre was a supermarket that had been vacated. And we thought, what an incredible, incredible opportunity for us to keep where we are, but move our main auditorium into the shopping centre and maybe even purchase the property and use the lease off all the other tenants to pay off the mortgage. What a brilliant plan. I thought God had spoken. And so we kind of just did what you do. You go to the landlord, you go to the owners and you start talking and discussing. And he seemed really keen at the idea of us purchasing the shopping centre and becoming the new owners, moving our congregation into the supermarket uh, and every other tenant would be uh, as per normal and everyone would be happy. So we thought. And we even, we, we even started praying, um, and at that time in our church, we met every week on a Wednesday night and we prayed, and uh, part of our uh, conclusion to our prayer meeting would be that we as a church, please don't try this at home, kids, um, we as a church would walk around the shopping centre silently, because we're not weird, <laughs> walk around based upon the scripture that says every place on which your foot shall tread, he, the Lord has given it to us, which can be true, but can also be very presumptuous. And so we just started walking and claiming. And, and I don't know what would have been weirder to the people watching on because some of the shops were still open. <laughs> Again, please do not try this at home. And uh, some of the shops were open. I don't know what was weirder to them. Had we been praying or just the fact that this mass of people just kept walking by silently? I don't know what freaked them out more, but freaked them out we did. And I'm not proud of it, even though I'm smiling. I just, I just it's so ridiculous. And, uh, but that's our history, kind of, it's amazing. I mean, if you, if you want to know the miracle, if you say there's no miracles, just look at this church. It's a miracle that we're here. And um, long and the short of it is, uh, we kind of got a little bit of opposition. And so there was a petition started up against the church buying the shopping centre. And the, the shopping centre was fairly run down and, and the, local ten, uh, the locals were not using that shopping centre, hence why it was run down. But all of a sudden, out of the blue, everyone was up in arms about the church wanting to take over their shopping centre. And so the locals and the tenants got together and thousands of people signed this petition for us as a church not to purchase this property. And, uh, you know, being a little bit slow, we just kept walking around the building. <laughs> And it went to court, not court, but it went to the council. The local council uh, had to decide who was to be able to purchase um, this property. Was it the church or was it not? And, and so we had our day in court, our day with the council, and uh, they gave us about, oh, I think about five minutes to present our case, which we did. 
And then it became a little bit of a free-for-all. Any local resident or tenant who wanted to have a say pretty much about, you know, um, what they thought uh, about the church buying this property, they had an opportunity. And it felt like weeks, but it's probably about an hour or two went by. And uh, I can honestly say that after the first three minutes, I knew exactly where this was going. And uh, I remember one lady um, standing up and saying, you know, I don't want this church buying the uh, shopping centre. In fact, I wish the church wasn't even there because all they do is swear at me. And straight away I started thinking, Baz. (laughs) Point being, they're just, just making stuff up. And we had to sit there. And then it went to the council jury and uh, it was a unanimous decision. Guess what? Guess whose favourite went in? (laughs) It wasn't ours. And uh, when they passed the fact that the church would not be able nor allowed to purchase the property, there was this eruption in the gallery, (laughs) of which was where we were sitting. But there was a lot more of them than us. And so I'll never forget, we were sitting down. He didn't say, everyone stand, all rise. They didn't say that. They just said, um, okay, we make an announcement and decision that the church will not be buying the property. And before I could do anything, everyone just stood up and, and just shouted and cheered and clapped. And there was me and a handful of others from our church singing, I suppose we lost then. <laughs> it's a little bit like being a Crow supporter right now with all these Port Adelaide supporters. It's just tough. We were utterly and thoroughly defeated, but more than that, we were utterly and thoroughly rejected. And it's those moments in our life that can either make or break a man. They can make or break a church. They can make or break a marriage. They can make or break a family. And so tonight, I want to speak to you about turning your rejection into direction. Turning rejection into direction. Because as you may have worked out by now, although the council did not allow us to buy that property, it didn't stop us. And I never forget that week thinking about, what am I going to preach this week? What am I going to tell the church this week? Because we'd pinned a lot of our hopes on this becoming our reality. We'd certainly done a lot of marching. We'd certainly done a lot of claiming. We'd certainly done a lot of quoting of Scripture, all of which seemingly had come to nothing. And I now, as a senior leader, had to stand before the church and make an announcement and bring some direction. And I figured just standing there crying before the people wasn't a good leadership moment for me. And so I never forget, I put together this message that I simply called, when one door shuts, another one opens. And so I told the church what had happened and basically said, that door has well and truly shut. Let me tell you, it is closed, bolted, sealed and never being opened again. But there is another door. I don't know where that door is. I don't know how open it is. But there is a door and we're going to walk through it. But in the meantime, and that's what you've got to know. What do you do in the meantime? You do what we've always done. 
You pray, you go to church, you read your Bible, you keep faith. And it wasn't long after that we drove past this property, which used to be a skating rink. And I noticed it wasn't a skating rink anymore. It looked pretty derelict actually. And it was just vacant. And I started just walking in and having a look. And then we found out who the owner was and we started asking questions and we we arranged a lease and the rest is history. And here we are. We've got to learn to turn our rejection into direction. Because the Bible is full of stories where God turns rejection into uh, direction. Remember Joseph. Joseph was that young man who was a dreamer and he had a few brothers and all of his brothers rejected him. Remember that. See, the trouble is when you read the Bible, we know the end of the stories. And so we don't really feel the pain of the rejection of these what we call Bible heroes. But before they were heroes, they were zeros. Before they embraced their direction, they experienced rejection. Joseph was rejected by his brothers. I mean, I've got two brothers and we've had some tough times, but they never threw me in a pit and they never left me for dead and they never sold me. They might have wanted to, but they never did it. And maybe you felt like that with your brothers, but that actually happened to Joseph. He was rejected by his brothers. David was rejected by his father. Samuel the prophet comes through. And he says, I've got to anoint one of your boys as the new king of Israel. Show me all your boys. He says, show me all your boys. And David's father, Jesse, brings all his boys out, except David. That's rejection. And when Saul, sorry, when Samuel, the prophet, goes through all of the boys, there were seven of them. He says, hang on, the Lord's anointed is not here. Are you sure you don't have another son? He's like, let me think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh yeah, there is the run to the family. But I didn't think he counted. And he goes, well, I'm not even going to take a seat. I'm just going to wait for you to go get that guy. You imagine David running in. What's going on? Oh, well, you see, um, prophet came through town, asked me to get all my sons together and we forgot you. This was David's moment to be anointed as king. This was his coronation and he wasn't even invited. That's rejection. Moses was rejected by his people. I mean, he did some great things. He did some incredible things. I mean, he just throws his stick out and the water parts and they walk on dry ground and and, and God supernaturally through Moses' leadership, you know, delivers the nation of Israel. You would think they'd be indebted for life, wouldn't you? Well, maybe not life, but at least a long time, yeah? Yeah. Maybe a year, maybe a month, maybe a week. No, three days they want to kill him. They've had enough. Rejection. Paul was rejected by the Jews. He was beaten, stoned by, by, by his fellow man. I mean, he was one of them. In fact, he was not only one of them, he was the best of one of them. He was a Jew among Jews. He was was just excelling in his religion. And he had an encounter with the living God. And all of a sudden, those who were his peers, those that used to look up to him, now rejected him and stoned him and wanted to put him to death. That's rejection. How many here have ever been stoned? And I don't mean that kind of stoned. I mean, really, I mean, I mean, literally had rocks pearled, pearled, hurled at them. I mean, really. 
We, 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 I don't know how we read the Bible. So we think, oh, it's, it's all right for them. Really? It's all right for Paul. He only got a stone. <laughs> I've got an ingrown toenail. I mean, like, come on. How about this character of the Bible? Jesus. He was rejected by his brothers, sisters. His hometown rejected him. The Jewish people rejected him. And in every case, rejection was the catalyst for them fulfilling their destiny. Joseph became prime minister of Egypt. David became king of Israel. Moses became a deliverer leader and saw 300, uh, 3 million Jews led to freedom. Paul was a preacher to the Gentiles and wrote most of what we now know as the New Testament. And Jesus became the saviour of the world. And all of them experienced rejection. Matthew 21 verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the Scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and the Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. A few things tonight that we need to understand about rejection if we are to turn rejection into direction. And the first thing is this, that we all experience Rejection. Repeat after me, as I said this morning, I, I am, am a reject. We've all been rejected. We all experience it. We've all been not invited to the party. We've all been on the outer circle. We've all been overlooked at some time or another. There's somebody that should have invited you, but they didn't. There's a party that you thought you were on the A list and you weren't even on their Z list. You were not invited. You were not only not invited, you were not even thought about. They were not going to apologise to you because they're not even thinking about you. And for those of you who think the whole world hates you, I've got worse news for you. Most of the world doesn't even know you exist. It gets worse. I'm looking at a bunch of rejects and you're looking at a reject. We are a bunch of rejects. We've all experienced rejection. And we're in good company because of David, Moses, Paul and Jesus Himself. So if I was to say, who has been rejected? Would you please stand? We would all have to stand. But if I was to ask who has discovered how to turn direction, sorry, rejection into direction, probably very few would stand. And so putting those two together is key to us fulfilling our destiny. So many are locked up and shut down because of rejection. Rejection from those that should have loved them. And I don't mean to be insensitive tonight because I grew up in a fairly stable, secure, loving home. But I know many in this room would not have experienced that stability, love, care. And so I don't mean to be disrespectful or insensitive. But we all experience rejection. And I would hate your perceived rejection to be something that stops you moving forward. 
We've all experienced some rejection from someone who's loved us. Mums, dads, friends, schoolmates, girlfriends. Tell the story many times about Meredith Shearer, grade four. <laughs> reject. It's amazing. So many of my rejection stories, you just laugh at me. I just make them sound funny. And, but they were, they were very real issues in my life. And when I tell you about them, all you do is laugh at me. <laughs> Talk about rejection. Take heart. We all experience rejection. Number two, how you see rejection determines how you're going to respond to it. See, Joseph's response to his brothers when he found himself in this high position as prime minister of Egypt after his father had passed away, this was his moment to get revenge. In actual fact, the brothers knew that and so they were afraid. And Joseph caught them whispering amongst themselves. When someone's whispering amongst themselves, it's never good. And David's heart, sorry, Joseph's heart was broken because he knew what they were whispering about. So they thought that while their dad was still alive, Joseph wasn't going to punish us to show kindness to their dad. But without their dad in the picture, he's going to punish us badly because that's what we deserve. But Dave, uh, Joseph had had a shift in his thinking. He saw rejection differently than most do. And his response to them was, and it's found in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, you intended to harm me. Don't, yeah, I know that. Let's, let's just be real here. You guys definitely intended to harm me. We're all on the same page there. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. Take a chill pill, calm your farm. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. See, rejection will lead to bitterness and resentment if not dealt with. Again, I don't mean to be insensitive to whatever has happened to you and whatever your rejection looks like. But if we hold on to that thing, it's going to be the thing, the bitter root that leads to the death of our lives, marriages, families and destiny. Joseph was able to say, hang on, no, no, this was for a purpose. I told the story about the property that we sought to purchase to say this. The reason we didn't get it it's because God intended for us to have this. And now with hindsight, I'm so glad we never got that. I, I hope every one of you followed Jesus long enough and hang around long enough to see and enjoy the fact that God did not say yes to all of your prayers. That's my prayer for you, that you hang around long enough to be able to be grateful enough that God didn't say yes to everything you've asked. If we had been in that shopping centre right now, it would have been so problematic. We still would have had problems with noise and neighbours and parking, whereas here we've never had that problem, and I thank God for that. If we're not careful, we're going to miss our moment. Imagine if Joseph had a bitter heart 
when his moment to go before the Pharaoh because the cupbearer had given Pharaoh his name. Imagine if he had a bitter attitude. He said, I'm not going there. I've had to wait two years. But he kept a good attitude. How we see rejection determines how we respond to it. Number three, without rejection, we will never fulfill our destiny. See, if we're honest with ourselves, and this is the problem, we don't get honest, but if we did, we, we like comfort. We like routine. We like patterns and predictability. And God knows that. And so to break up the comfort, the patterns, the routine, the predictability, He lets things happen in our lives. He lets re- uh, rejection happen in order to mess with our mojo. I, I never forget prior to planting this church, we were part of a great church, we were part of a great leadership team, part of a great youth group. And God was stirring in my heart something that I could not put into words. If you were to say to me at that time, what are you feeling in God? I'd say, I don't know. I'm just feeling excited about something. I had no idea it was the birthing of a new church because I never wanted that. I had no idea it was about me going into ministry at a whole other level because I never desired that. Here's the thought. God doesn't just give you the desires of your heart. He might give you things you don't desire at all. Because I never desired this. But God has an incredible way of sneaking up on you. But I was excited about God doing something. And in my excitement, it was amazing about the people around me were not as excited. And one by one, I found the closeness of my friendships were just getting less and less and less. And God was squeezing me out of what I was very comfortable with, very happy with, what was very predictable. And God used rejection in order to get me to start a church. Had, had it been comfortable, it may have been that much harder for me to do what I ultimately ended up doing. And so one by one, people that were closest to me were no longer as close to me because God was doing something in my life. And I look back 20 years and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God will use rejection in order to get us to fulfill our destiny. We had a man, Andre Olivier, come and minister in our church recently. And it was a great message on adversity. It is online. I'd love you to listen to it. And if you heard it, listen to it again. But he makes this great point about adversity versus comfort. He says, isn't it interesting? The very person that betrayed Jesus, his name was Judas. He came to Jesus to betray him. And Jesus calls Judas friend. He calls betrayal, rejection, and adversity friend. There was another occasion found in Matthew chapter 16 where Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, was listening to Jesus talk one day. Jesus started talking about a whole heap of things, including his death, his burial, his resurrection. Peter freaks out, goes into comfort mode, says, no, no, Jesus, you're obviously tired. Calm down, calm your farm. There, there, there. It's all right, you poor old thing. Just have a rest. Have a week off, rethink, reconsider. And he looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. He calls betrayal, rejection and adversity friend, but he calls comfort in those moments, he calls comfort Satan. He calls it the enemy. 
We like comfort, but comfort is what's killing us. It's rejection, it's pain that's growing us. You know what? It has been proven that the place where people are happiest is when they are overcoming their biggest challenges. Can I just say something about the Port Adelaide Football Club? <laughs> to go over to Perth to play the Dockers who have not lost on their home ground in 30 games or so. To win in that way, in that condition, in that place, made the win that much sweeter. And they played a great game. But the excitement on the players' face, the coaches' face, and even their feral supporters' faces. <laughs> Prove my point. The place where people are happiest is where we overcome our biggest challenges. Let's be honest, if, if we were to line the Port Adelaide supporters, most of them didn't give their team a chance. But to win, to win in those conditions made the win that much sweeter. Am I right? It did make it that much sweeter. See, living where it is difficult, hard and challenging is where you'll find the most peace, joy, excitement and fulfilment. We want happy, we want joy, we want peace, we want excitement, but we don't enter the place where it's to be found because it's not found in comfort. What happens when we live in comfort? We get bored. And the internet becomes a good option. See, there's a lot of addictions that are taking place and the root issues is we're just bored. We've adopted a comfortable lifestyle and now we're just bored. I can honestly say I've been many things in ministry. 20 plus years in ministry, I've been many things. My emotions have been tested in every way, shape and form. You say, as a pastor, have you ever been mad? Yes. Have you ever been sad? Absolutely. Have you ever been glad? Yeah. Have you ever been really angry? Oh yeah. Have you ever felt like killing anyone? Absolutely. All the things that you guys feel, I've felt. But I can honestly stand before you and say this, I've never felt bored. I don't get, I'm bored. I, I, seriously, I just, I want to pick people up who are bored. I just, like, just throw them. I don't know what I want to do. Just like, I'm bored. Really? Bored. I don't, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't, it, it doesn't compute. I've been in lots of things, but I've never been bored. Because when you embrace the challenges, you never will be bored. Yeah. If we're bored, what we're saying is we're living too comfortable. Yeah. And in Australia, it's real easy to get comfortable. Yeah. And Jesus didn't come that we might have comfort. Jesus said, I'm like, I have come that you might have life. Yeah. And have life with a capital L, life to the max, life to the full. Yeah. And it's rejection that makes a good story a great story. If I was to ask you, what was, you know, what's your favourite Bible uh, story? As a kid growing up, or what, what was your favourite? For most of us, it, it's these crazy stories where uh, incredible uh, opposition has been overcome. 
as a young kid growing up, my dad reading the Bible to me, he told me about this young man called David and this gigantor of a man called Goliath. What makes that story so cool, so fascinating, so powerful, so awesome, so amazing is the obstacles, the difficulty, the opposition. It was there was this 17-year-old boy with no armour, no weaponry, running out, running, leaping, jumping, ready to take the giant's head off, seemingly without a care in the world. And, and, and the people of uh, Israel are like, oh, I can't watch. It's like a train wreck. I can't watch. Oh, it's, it's, oh, I can't watch, but I can't take my eyes off. What's going to happen? This little shepherd boy. And this nine foot six giant of a man. He's got six fingers on each hand. He's got six toes on each foot. He's a giant of a man. He's covered in armory. He's got a spear, sword. He's got an armor bearer. In actual fact, Goliath himself is offended that they've sent a boy to fight a man. David's so full of it. He shouts out, I'm going to cut your head off. He's like, you don't even have a knife. (laughs) Goliath looks him over. Has he got one of those little Swiss army pocket knives? He's like, what? There's nothing. I mean, it's audacious. But that's what makes it a great story. Imagine if the Philistines put a baby out on the, whoever take on this baby, and David runs out there. It's just like, oh, well done, you took on a baby, big deal. But, but it's the bigness of the opposition that makes a story so awesome. And so maybe, just maybe, the next time you're being rejected, the next time you're facing some hardship, maybe God is promoting you. Maybe God is wanting to bring you into a new, more, a new spacious place. Have you ever thought about that? Well, I hope you do from now on. (laughs) Number four, time will reveal the purpose of rejection. Philippians chapter one, verse 12, Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's talking from a prison cell. He says, what I want you to know is I'm in prison. Been beaten a few times, been rejected. but It's actually served a purpose. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. You see, if I wasn't in prison, Paul's saying, I wouldn't be able to talk to all these people. It's serving its purpose. Being rejected, being put in prison, being beaten has all served its purpose. And time will reveal the purpose of rejection. And that's why I'm a great believer in hanging around long enough. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's a church you're in, Honestly, I, I, I see so often it's like God's got a blessing here and we're like, we get this close to what God wants to do, this close to the breakthrough is I'm leaving this church. I'm leaving this marriage. I'm leaving this job. And as I've said many times before, the hardest thing, and I've learned this again more recently with a puppy, the hardest thing to get a baby dog to do is to Stay. Because they're so full of excitement and they just want to be everywhere and do everything. And, and as an owner, you've got to say, stay. stay. And, and I, I really do believe for us to really get this message into us, God is saying, stay. Yeah. Stay. Stay long enough 
the purpose will come in time. It'll be revealed in time. Because God is working all things together for the good. God will use good report and bad report for good. You know that petition where thousands of people signed? It was a negative petition. It was people not wanting us. And I thought, I can get really upset about all the people that don't like us or get really excited about the fact that, hey, there's a whole heap of people now who know we exist. And I had to start thinking like that. I had to... to Capture the negative thoughts and turn it into a positive thought. I said, isn't it amazing? All these people know us now. (laughs) We actually got on, we got some national coverage. We were on Channel 7 News. And and this was the opening statement of uh, of the the article, of the, um, what do you call that? The news present, news bulletin. Thank you. It says, locals tell, uh, residents tell local church to go to hell. Channel 7 News. And then there's big sign, Big Free Church. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is awesome, Big Free Church on telly. Hey, look at this, kids. Big Free Church is on telly. Jordan's a bit concerned. Didn't they say go to hell? Doesn't matter. We're on telly. Don't worry about that. Wrong, wrong focus. We're on television. Do you know how much that costs? To put an advert between 6 o'clock and 6.30 on a weekday, that's a lot of money. Look, we got it for free. That's awesome. (laughs) This will go to hell. This is awesome. (laughs) Come on. We can do this. Focus on the bad stuff, the negative stuff. God's working all things together for good. He'll work the good for good. He'll work the bad for good. He'll work the mediocre for good. He'll work when you understand really well for good, when you don't understand anything for good. He's working all things together for good. Just hang around long enough and see it. Watch this space. He's working all things together for the good. And my last point, as musicians come, is simply this, that God will never reject you. People will. Life might. Circumstances, absolutely. But God never will. He may not answer your prayers the way you'd like him to. I've been a natural father long enough to get a little bit of insight to the wisdom of silence. When your kids are, can we have that? Can we have that? And I've learned the wisdom of just, you know what? I'm just going to ignore you. I'm not going to waste any time, effort, or energy entertaining your immaturity. It's going to leave you to grow up a little bit. And if I can come to that conclusion for my own kids, How much more is God doing that to me? But his silence does not mean he's rejected me. It means he's being silent for a purpose. 
And my job at that moment is to get in line with His purpose. And if there's anything in your life that God is being silent on, I would say don't try and get an answer. It's what I call going on a witch hunt. People often go on a witch hunt trying to find. And so they'll go to you know, another church, they'll go to another service, they'll go to another pastor, they'll go to another leader, they'll go to another Christian, they'll go to another person, trying to get an answer to something God's not answering. Because there's a purpose in His silence. And so I would encourage you, if there is something in your life that you are getting no answers on, don't try and get an answer. Just do what you've always done. And so I used to say to our kids, what do you know to do? We go clean our room. Do that. Till further notice. What's your job? Take out the bin. Do that. Just keep doing what you know you need to do instead of worrying about what you don't know. Just be faithful with what you've been given. This is not just a God principle. This is a life principle. This is a work principle. This will go well for you if we stop going on these witch hunts. Trying to find out instead of just do and be. What I love about God is He accepts what others reject. Joseph was rejected by his brothers, but God saw him. God never left him. When Jesse, David's father, forgot to or overlooked David and left him in the field. Guess who was with David in the field? Not just the sheep, but God was with him. When Moses was being rejected, God was with him. When Paul was being rejected, God was with him. When Jesus hung upon the cross, He looked up to heaven and says, Father, God was with him. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never rejects us. When we're at our worst, God's there. This notion that I, I can't go to God because I feel bad. Well, He's already seen you do what you feel bad about because He never leaves you. That's both a comforting thought and a terrifying thought that He never leaves us. So when we're worshipping, He sees us. When we're stealing, he sees us. When we're clicking on things on the internet we shouldn't be, He sees us. And He sees us worshipping. He sees us clicking. He sees us worshipping because He never leaves us. He never rejects us. But it's better than that. He never stops loving us. As a loving Father, He looks at like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? It's not good for you. See, God is not a party pooper trying to ruin your fun. He's not trying to ruin your life. He's trying to help you. And so if your understanding of Christianity based upon what you've seen and heard and experienced in the past is just a whole heap of rules and regulations about what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. I don't know what that is, but it's tiring. But Christianity is about a relationship with the Creator. 
And, and if you're in a relationship with someone and, and you knew that something was going to hurt someone, wouldn't you give some advice to stay away from? Wouldn't you do that? So there are some things in the Word of God that God says not to do, but not as a rule, as a regulation, but because He loves us. I don't know any parent that loves their children and says, hey, kid, put your hand in the fire. No, no. And I don't know any person who would judge a parent and call them judgmental, legalistic for telling their child not to put their hand in the fire. It's called love and care. Christianity is a relationship. And so God has some incredible advice that He's written in His Word of what to do and what not to do to give you the best life imaginable. Because He loves us. He never leaves us. He never rejects us. If you're feeling rejected, if you're feeling like you don't fit in, if you're feeling overlooked, abandoned, betrayed, if you feel hurt, neglected, you're in good company. You're in great company. Because there's not a person here who hasn't experienced that and will continue to experience that. The question is, what are you going to do about it? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, there's an invitation to every person on the planet. Are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? And come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I don't know how many of you are into surfing. But surfing is a misnomer. It's not like you're surfing all the time. There's paddling out. There's waiting for the waves. There's catching it just the right time. And that's when you've got to paddle. So it, it, it's the, the rhythms and the timings of the wave that determine what you've got to do at any moment. But if there's no waves, it's pointless paddling. And this is what Jesus is referring to, these unforced rhythms of grace. See, religion is about, what, what am I meant to do now? What do I have to do now? What do I? Life's not like that. Life's these unforced rhythms of grace. I had the privilege of being in South Africa, which meant I had the disadvantage of being away from my child's eighth birthday. Some may even seen that as neglect, child abuse. But we brought our children up differently than a lot of people I know. Because to me, as much as I appreciate birthdays, anniversaries, all those special days, with our lifestyle and what we do, there are certain times we just can't be there for them. Most of them we are, but certain times we can't be. Because we've learned the unforced rhythms of grace. 
And what I've learned is that if I can't be there for a special day, we can more than make up for it on another day. And one of the joys for me coming back from South Africa when I apologised to BJ for not being here for a birthday, she said, it doesn't matter, Dad. We're having a party on Saturday. She's eight years old. And I think she gets something of this more than us who are 28, 38, 48, 58 and above. Jesus said, I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what Christianity is. It's just walking with Jesus. When you're walking with Him, and He's saying, don't, He just says, get that sense, don't, do, don't go to that party, don't do that. You don't. Another says, I want you in on that party, and you go. So, what are you allowed to do in this church? You're allowed to or you're not allowed to? It gets exhausting. I can't remember. Just all these, I think the Pharisees had 666 laws or something. It, just gets, it gets hard to remember. It just gets, it just gets hard to remember. Maybe there's a season in your life, like for me, where you just say, you know what, for, for me and, and my lifestyle and who I am, I'm not going to touch that until further notice. So I, I never drank alcohol from age 20 to 35. But don't impose that on me. It was just, it was wisdom for me. And the reason I came to that conclusion is because I was at a party one time with my unsaved friends and I had a beer. And because I was just having fun and on the dance floor, just having fun, I like to be the centre of attention, life of the party, just having fun, they all thought I was drunk because they saw me with a drink and I made a vow. I said, I'm, I, you know what? For me. For me. And who I am and what I do and, and the way I live my life and my personality, I'm just not going to. I put that on myself because I felt God say, is that, is that the wise thing for you? I didn't put that on anybody else. These are the unforced rhythms of grace. Father, in this sacred moment, I just ask you to break in and just reveal who you are afresh to us. I'm not concerned if there's people here who've walked with you for many years. Reveal yourself afresh to the oldest, most mature Christian in this place. Reveal yourself afresh to those that are far from you, those that are confused, worn out, tired, burnt out on religion. I want you minister deep into our hearts tonight that we might learn these unforced rhythms of grace as we walk with you. We don't want rules and regulations. We want to we wanna do a walk with you, Lord. That we can turn the rejection that comes our way into the direction for our life. We thank you for such great examples in Joseph, David, Moses, Peter, Paul, and the ultimate example of all, Jesus Christ Himself. We thank You that we have such a great cloud of witnesses. We thank You for the modern day heroes. We thank You for Paul and Gay who have walked the walk for 40 plus years in ministry. We thank You, Lord. And I pray 20 years from now we'll be able to use this as a watershed moment in our lives 
May this be a message that holds us, helps us and keeps us and stops us swaying, running, giving up and giving in. But maybe it may be a message, Holy Spirit, that puts steel in us to never give up, to keep on going, to give you the honour, the glory, the power and the praise all the days of our lives. Where we've got too comfortable, Holy Spirit, just bring about that conviction as only you do and only you can. Where we need to step out in faith again, may, may you bring that conviction, Lord. We ask that right now in your precious name, that you come and have your way. In Jesus' wonderful name, let that be. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 